Geekville Radio. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, geeks and geekettes, to Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio. We got a special show lined up today. I've been trying to get this show done for a while, and it's almost perfect timing here with the release of the Flash movie, the first ever Flash feature film. And we're going to talk the major comic book storyline that is used as the basis for this movie. Unfortunately, I don't have to do it alone. Rejoining the airwaves for Geekful Radio. You know him and you love him from previous episodes. He is making his return from a nice soft padded cell in the asylum in South Kakalaki. Crazy train Jonathan Bullock. Train, it's been a while since we've done Geekville, so <laughs> kinda kinda dusting off the cobwebs here. Yeah, old board ladies though, but it's kinda nice to be back home. That's where it kinda I did where it all started, but this was my home for a long time. And now I'm just doing because of my obligations, you know, here at the asylum. I'm pretty much just doing classic wrestling memories. And like I had even done the game of the dead in a long time. That's how much I've been behind. But it will be nice to be back. It is nice to be back. Uh, and good, good subjects because our regular listeners that go way back know I'm kind of more the DC guy than you. And this is DC. And this just happens to be. One of my favorite storylines ever in any comic. So should be fun. Right. Now, the storyline in question was the major crossover event of 2011. Just about every year, sometimes more than once a year, the major publications, DC and Marvel, do kind of a universe-wide crossover storyline. I guess you Crossover might not be the best word to describe it, but it's, it's certainly the simplest where what's happening yeah. is hinted at in all the major titles in, in the universe. One of the biggest examples of this would be like Secret Wars for Marvel and obviously Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is really probably the closest to Flashpoint because it was dealing with alternate realities and all that. And it was recently adapted by the CW into it, the big crossover for the Arrowverse. And this is Flashpoint, and I will give my summary, and then you can correct me if I get anything wrong here. But Flashpoint, okay. like I said, 2011, and it's what led to a relaunch of DC with the New 52 later in 2011 and in 2012. And DC's done several reboots since then. I don't really want to get into that because it's really not that, not pertinent, not, no, not core. Yeah. I, that's a whole other, other, other episode right there. Right. But the gist of the story is that Barry Allen goes back in time to prevent the murder of his mother because he just wants to have his mother back. And somehow that act triggers a new reality. Basically, when he, when he comes back, reality is all different. Now, I think one thing they're doing in the movie, and they did it in the CW series as well, that adaption, is Barry's pretty well aware of what he does from the start. Whereas the way Flashpoint begins in the comics proper is 
Barry's kind of living a normal life. He's not the Flash. And then suddenly he starts realizing, hey, wait a minute, stuff isn't right here. Right. That's that's kind of how it opened up for the, the comics, right? Mm-hmm. It's, and it was mm-hmm. a gradual reveal. Whereas with the CW adaption, Barry just flat out does it and then comes back and things just start start changing. And from the jump. Right. And here in the trailers, they make it clear that's what he does is he goes back in time to save his mother. And uh, right. now the book, the, the comic, they did a lot of stuff. Like I said, this was a universe-wide crossover. So there's stuff that affects Wonder Woman and Aquaman and all that. Basically, Wonder Woman and Aquaman are literally at war with their respective countries. There was a major part that Batman played and a major part that Superman played. They were not in the DCW version at all, but right. the gist of it is that there, there's no Justice League. There's not really too many superheroes around, and eventually, once Barry figures out what was done, he essentially, to solve the story, he has to go back in time again and allow his mother to be killed so that the rest of reality can be distorted. I know I'm that's making kind of a really long story short, but that's that's a gist of what the the core story was, right? Yeah, uh, it's this thing that me and my friends, either comic book fans that were that were fans of you know Flareverse and their take on this was when anything goes askew in our lives that doesn't seem normal or on a show or a movie, we automatically go, Barry, what did you do? And this is kind of where all that started. It's like, if any of our listeners are familiar with chaos theory, probably most famously for people that aren't into that deep into like that, that advanced mathematics, it probably be the character of Dr. Ian Malcolm from the Jurassic Park franchise, because he is a chaotician and he does a pretty good job in the first Jurassic Park movie explaining chaos theory. It's the butterfly effect. You know, I think his description is, you know, if, if a butterfly flaps its wings in Central Park, New York, they get rain instead of snow in, in China. Now, is that a good way to look at it? And that's kind of what this is. For every little thing you do will have long ramifications. It deals with that heavily in this. And I don't think Barry, for one, knew that in either the CW's take on it or, quite frankly, in what we see in the comic storyline. So I don't know if the movie will handle that, but once again, it's, he wants to go back and save his mom. And that's what he does. And then it changes the timeline. Any of our regular listeners also know, I, one of my beefs is I can't stand time travel. It just drives me absolutely wrong. And this whole storyline shows you the problems with time travel. They kind of do a little bit of, go a little bit like the, the MCU with, with Endgame, when Tony says, what's going on? And I, I, I think Cap asked him that. And he says, just wait a second. You mess with time, it has a way of messing back. And I think this is a, a really, another really good comic book story that shows that. I, but I think this is, like I said, I think this is in many ways, in essentially uh, a comic book writer's take on chaos theory. And now things we don't ever think about, and, and it's true, I mean, one of the things that me and Seth will often discuss time travel and we'll often ask each other, well, what would you do if you could travel in time? And Seth always has the same answer. Yeah. He says always talks about, he would go back to that fateful night in February in 1959 to Clear Lake, Iowa and get on that runway and yell, buddy, buddy, Richie, don't get on the plane. 
prevent the day that music died. Uh, yeah. And I always tell you, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't do that, Seth, because you don't know the ramifications. Yes, it's all we lost Buddy and Richie and, and the Big Bopper that day, but what would it really change? How would music actually be different had Buddy survived? We yeah. don't know. Pop culture as a whole probably might have changed. Right. I mean, me personally, with my favorite country artist being Waylon Jennings. Mm-hmm. Would he have gotten Waylon Jennings? Mm-hmm. Or would he have been that cricket? Right. It's one of those things that it, it's, it's always a big what if. And we talk about all the time, no comic books character truly stays dead. But then we always give the caveat. But if the character's death is important to the origin of a hero. Right. Matt Murdock's dad. Right. Uncle Ben. Jor-El and, and, and his wife, Martha and Thomas Wayne. Right. I mean, you think of millions of them. The Punisher's yeah, family. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're well, not going to go there. Stuff, no, Tom, yeah. This is kind of a storyline that where they said, okay, we're going to mess with that. We're going to say that Barry's mom did survive. Well, what happened? And that deals with that greatly. And it's kind of interesting. I mean, it just brings up things that you just don't normally bring up and, and, I don't think that's a bad thing. This is what it is. And that's kind of the whole crux, I yeah. think, uh, of this. And it, it makes for a good story. Definitely gives an Elseworlds take on, well, what would have happened if Barry Allen's mother hadn't died? Let's realistically talk about that for a more, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Obviously, Barry becomes the Flash because his mother's killed. His mother's death is blamed on his father. His father goes to jail which motivates him, of course, to go into crime scene investigation. And does, well, does Barry do that if his mother's alive? So will he be there for the chemical accident to happen that makes him the Flash? And we know about all that, but then the Flashpoint storyline goes well beyond that, though. And how does it affect the DC universe as a whole? So it's not just a butterfly effect for Barry. It's a butterfly effect for all the characters, both villains and heroes that we know and love. I mean, I think one of the most important ones that we're going to see in the movie is, of course, like you pointed out earlier, Seth, the involvement of Batman. What is the change? And for those that don't know, that's the whole point of this episode. Oh, what happens to Batman? Well, one of the differences in the Flashpoint reality, which we shall henceforth just call Flashpoint, you know, whatever, Flashpoint, Batman, Flashpoint, Superman, whatever. Right. Uh, the, the big difference is Batman is not Bruce Wayne in this Flashpoint reality that night in Crime Alley, it's actually Bruce that is gunned down as a child and Thomas Wayne becomes Batman and Martha Wayne, the mother, goes right. insane and becomes the Joker as a result. And the other difference mm-hmm. is that this version of Batman since it's not Bruce, doesn't have the no-killing code. This is a Batman that openly, guns. Will, yeah, will openly carry guns and will kill without second thought. I've referred to him as also as like a, a Punisher Batman. Yeah, it's like Batman with Punisher's yes. a mindset. And, and the thing about Thomas Wayne is, I mean, besides this, much more violent bent than Bruce does, he's, he's pretty much a functioning alcoholic. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he is obviously PTSD, like you said, Frank Castle of, of, of despair and hope. And th- there are, he's always drawn in the comics 
And the Flash one has uh, a little bit more disheveled, not as kept together as Bruce is. Always in a five o'clock shadow, like he's unkempt. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't care as much about his grooming and hygiene as Bruce does. So it's, it, it's an interesting look at how, how different a son is going to react to the, the gunning down of his parents differently than, than a father would see his, his, his small child gun down, I think is right. a valid point. Right, yeah. And uh, so since you have this, this uh, Batman that, that will kill, I think, w- and I don't know this, this is just my assumption, is that might be one of the reasons why they brought Michael Keaton in, is uh, first off, they've established with multiverses that you can have characters that look a little bit different in uh, right. w- whatever reality. But if you go back to the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton movies, Batman does kill in that. I mean, the, the Batmobile had 50 caliber machine guns on it for crying out loud, which Batman would never yeah. have in the comics. And you know, we're so, talking, and we're, t- we're talking about it in the pre and then you're talking about the pre-show and me and Seth were just talking formatting. There's that scene and very early on in Batman returns in the second one where he'd say it for the first time he's facing the circus people that, that work for Penguin. What he tells us, like a stick of dynamite or a bomb down its hole with a couple mm-hmm. of definitely kills. There's yeah. no questions about it. Right, right, exactly. So I think rather than try to explain that, oh, this is Batman's father, not the, the Batman we know, they just simply said, well, let's just have the Michael Keaton Batman and it'll be the, the pop for the old school fans, the people who grew up with the Michael Keaton Batman, they'll, they'll be happy. And mm-hmm. just to keep it simple, it's still the same guy. He's just looks a little different. I think just for a simple summary reason that works, at least for me, you know, cause right. the average moviegoer, I don't think needs to know that difference that this is actually Thomas Wayne Bruce's father and not, not Bruce. I think just, right. okay. So yeah. somehow he changes from Ben Affleck to Michael Keaton. I think that's good enough for most people. Um, I'm, I'm assuming you think the same way, right? Oh, yeah. I think this also falls in the category that you and I have talked about a lot of comic adaptations, whether it's to TV or, or film, but live action. You're looking at a one-hour episode. You're looking at a two-hour movie, whereas in a comic storyline like Flashpoint, you have several issues to cover a story with a lot of established history. So there's always going to be parts that are left out. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be parts that are adapted change you often see in, in adaptations one character basically becoming three characters or three characters becoming one character in a movie one mm-hmm. character in a movie has all the traits of the three characters from the comics or the book that come mm-hmm. and i think that's that's the problem right that's what they do in here mm-hmm. now the reason why batman is important in flashpoint i know where you're going next so we'll get there in a mm-hmm. second we're talking about your guy next yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let me talk about my guy Batman right now. We'll talk about suits in a little bit. That that's Seth's mm-hmm. guy. Yep. The reason Batman is so important in story and comics is Barry is aware that the world has changed. Okay, now in the comics, he kind of gradually begins to notice changes. You go, okay, this ain't the same world. I changed more than just my mom being alive. First thing he knows is he doesn't have super speed anymore. It seems it's to me based on the trailers. And the way it was handled in, in the CW version was Barry knows right away that a lot of things are changed, where it is more gradual in the comic. But as he gradually begins to see this change, he begins to realize, no, I need to change it back because 
there have been so many broad sweeping changes, like like Seth said earlier, we're not going to get into it, but the Atlanteans that are led by Arthur Spossman and the Themyscirians led by Diana Wonder Woman are at war now instead of being allied. And that's one of the many changes that, that could literally be catastrophic for the entire Earth. I, mean, I need to change this. And he tries to figure out how can I do it? And he realizes, well, the smartest guy when I was around and the old before I changed it was Batman. I'm going to go to mm-hmm. Batman. And that's when he finds out the Batman of that world is Thomas Wayne, not Bruce Wayne. But somehow, because we're dealing with Batman and the logic of that character, he begins to go, I see it, yeah. He, he fully accepts that this is what's happened and why. And he figures out a way to get Barry his powers back so that Barry can reverse what he did. And I, I think that's going to be a large part of the Michael Keaton character in the movie, what I both say, you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Because I, I believe that it's been hinted by the filmmakers that this is also still going to be in continuity with the Keaton movies. It would also explain why there wouldn't be the other Batman villains running around. Because, like you just pointed out, Joker is not some unknown guy who falls in a vat of chemicals. Martha is so traumatized by the death of her son, she goes crazy and becomes a Joker. But I know you want to talk about that because he's your guy. So yeah. the Superman also plays a major role in Flashpoint. And what happens to Superman when Barry changes everything? Yeah, one of the differences is that the Justice League is not around. And I'm sure that's going to be part of the movie as well, the, that that aspect right. of it. Because it's, it, it looks like really we're only getting Batman and Supergirl in the movie as far as the main heroes. And yeah, outside of Flash. Right. But... What happened is essentially Superman was discovered as a child, not really by the Kents, but was basically held by the government in practically solitary confinement. And he's away from sunlight, so he doesn't really have his superpowers. And, Gone and weak. R- right. And Flash and, uh, actually does help rescue him. And then he eventually becomes Superman, the Superman that we know by getting his power through the sun. And I think whether they were just doing it for diversity or whether it was something that was going to lead back, I'm not really sure. But I think they're they're just having Supergirl play the role that Superman played in the comics and in the, uh, the animated adaption. Is that they're just having Supergirl do yeah. what Superman did? I think you're right. I think we've discussed before that when it comes to Supergirl versus Superman, does it really matter? They're both right. Kryptonians have the same. They have the same power set. And you're probably right. Like is the, the, the norm in Hollywood nowadays, there's gender swaps and, and S Nixon swaps. And it just is what it is. Either you don't buy, you like it, you don't, you don't like it or you don't care. I think being obsessed usually feel, especially in this case, just don't care. Right. Uh, I'm not loud. I'm sure you are too. Yeah. Yeah. It's not very high on the list of things that bug me, I guess is probably all the way I would put it. And on top of that, I think you also make a very valid point, Seth, that they've already said that Cavill's not coming back and they are going to do in this new rebooted DC extended universe. There is fully a plan to, to do a Supergirl movie. So this, this is kind of a backdoor pilot and lack for lack of a better term, introduce that character. Yeah. Yeah. You could say that. So I, I, I'm with you. I have no issues with that. Now I don't know. Based on what we've seen from 
the trailers, if she's being held by the government or she's been active, I, I that I can't tell. Do, mm-hmm. Can you? Do you have any inclination as to what it is? Well, I think she is being held by the government because there is that those brief scenes where I, I well, I think it's like Flash asks, "What do we do?" or something like that, and Batman says, "We try not to die," which doesn't really seem like a Batman line, but. Again, goes back to this being the Michael Keaton Batman and not a more comics accurate Batman. It looks like they're kind of buying time for Supergirl to get her powers from the sun. That's what it looked like to me. Like they're getting her released because they know she will get her powers. And right. So they're just kind of biding time so that she, she can come back. And plus, I think it's very quick in the trailers. You hear something about. That's not Clark. And then right. you, you hear Supergirl say, I'm Kara. So it sounds like right. uh, at least Flash was expecting it to be Superman and then is surprised that it's Supergirl. And maybe Batman right. knows and just didn't say, or maybe he's surprised too. My, my hunch is since it's Batman, he probably knew it was Supergirl all along, but just didn't bother tr- uh, telling Barry because would he really need to? So yeah, I think they'll they'll just have Supergirl do what, Superman did, I think we'll also have to have the plot, and because they do hint at this in the trailers. If you know the comic storyline or if you watched the animated adaption that came out a few years back, I think it was about 10 years ago, there was an animated movie called The Flashpoint Paradox. Yeah, it was very good, actually. But then again, DC's animated usually really good. So. The Flashpoint Barry doesn't have his powers and they have to recreate the accident to give Barry his powers. What it looks like, since we clearly have two Barrys, we have you know the Barry Prime or whatever you want to call it, or Flashpoint Barry, since they're in the same place at the same time, it's probably a safe bet that Barry Prime or regular Barry, whatever you want to say, he's still going to have his powers, but the Flashpoint Barry does not. So they probably have to trigger something to give him his powers. I think that's where you're seeing in the trailers where Barry's getting like lightning shot through him and all that stuff is they have to give him his powers. Yeah, because in the comics, the the plan that Thomas Wayne comes up with to give Barry his powers, gives Barry his powers back. And again, we are talking about Batman, so it's, this is not making a complete He's not too terribly worried about the fact it's probably going to be very, very painful. Well, I mean... Getting struck by lightning, that's kind of hard to avoid pain with that one. Right. And well, again, we're talking about Bruce. Well, Bruce here, Thomas in the comic. Is there anything you've ever known about Batman that makes him think that, well, if it doesn't get you, it ain't that bad, you can deal with the pain? No. Right, right. <laughs> that's kind of who he is, right? Mm-hmm. He's about, what, seven or eight generations that don't care. I think you're very right on how you see that's why we see the two different Ezra Millers in the, in the trailers. Right, right. And it also looks like this is also a part of the Man of Steel storyline, or at least one in a different reality, because we clearly see Michael Shannon back as Zod. I'm assuming he's trying oh, yeah. to find Supergirl instead of Superman. And there was that Easter egg in Man of Steel in the part where Clark is going around in the spaceship and there's a pod that was already opened. That's what, that could be why it's Supergirl instead of Superman is she was actually held without Superman knowing during Man of Steel. Right. Possible. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I didn't talk about that. That's very possible. But I, have you heard anything? You follow this kind of stuff more than I do. Has Michael Shannon come back to do reshoots or are they just going to use existing footage and maybe footage we hadn't seen in editing for and do the magic they do with the computers now to make him a part of this universe? Yeah, I, I believe know? they did get him back because I remember reading recently a quote by him of, I don't understand this stuff, but what <laughs> I don't think it actually said this, but he's like, I don't understand it, but hey, they're going to pay me to do this. So yeah. I'm sure he probably got paid quite handsomely for it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably a pretty good paycheck. So what's the point of, of turning it down? I thought he was fine as Zod. So, so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad to see him back, actually. Yeah, I am too. Are they going to work? The big question, since we have the similarities here, we know Barry goes back to prevent the death of his mother. We know we get in Batman and, and Supergirl and such. And we can only presume that the solution is for Barry to allow the murder of his mother. Do we have any other villain? Because in the comic version, it's Eobard Thawne, the reverse Flash, Professor Zoom, whatever right. name he goes by this week. He was kind of the instigator of it, although he does eventually tell Barry that, no, you're actually the one that started this. I just took advantage of it. Because right. he was the only one that knew everything that happened. Barry forgot it, but Thawne remembered everything and thus was able to orchestrate everything to happen so he would kind of be the most powerful character in the world, basically, or in the universe. So do we do we even well, need a character like that, or do you think it's just going to be a, okay, Barry realizes he has to sacrifice his mother to save reality? It's hard to say because, I mean, it is a flash movie. The selling point in this movie is, oh, cool, Michael Keaton back as Batman. Was there extra Supergirl? Those are major selling points on, on the movie. But it, whether it's DC or Marvel, it does not matter. It seems that when they do these standalone movies, they introduce a major villain for said hero or him. Mm -hmm. Cheetah and Wonder Woman 84, or Joker and the first Batman with Michael Keaton, or then Rayshon Gould and Batman Begins, Killmonger and Black Panther. So it seems like that's kind of the formula in Hollywood for a origin story slash standalone superhero movie. It kind of makes sense. Maybe they do. Mm -hmm. they, I, they never introduced the Neil Barton yet. What villains have they introduced in DC movies? We've got Cheetah. What's his say? The Pedro Pastel character, yeah. Max Lord. Is he yeah, he, was, yeah, he Lord, was that yeah. version of Max Lord. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you've got you've got General Zod, you've got Black Adam, you've got Black Manta, Orm. Mm -hmm. No, and and really, it, it's probably going to be a lot of characters that are going to be recast because this is really what is going to lead into the James Gunn reboot of everything, which is I guess is fitting since it led to the New Fifty Two reboot of. The DC universe, it's leading to right. a reboot of the, the reboot cinematic the Marvel. universe. And if you're going to do that, I'm, I'm not going to say that Eobarthal versus Flash is the biggest baddie, but he's definitely an A-lister baddie. Yeah, because it, it really, I think when it comes to DC, at least, because I think you, we talked about this years ago in, in early episodes, that outside of Batman and maybe Superman, if you're looking at DC rogues galleries, Flash is probably the one that has 
the best outside of the two big ones of Batman and Superman because yeah. he, he's had some pretty yeah and not, not just speedsters significant for me personally like well according to Crazy Train type thing Flash's Rose Gallery is number three all time in superheroes across all imprints with number one being Batman's Rose Gallery and Spider-Man's probably being number two. Spider-Man has a great Rose Gallery. Yeah, I'd agree with that, yeah. Spider-Man might be the only character in Marvel that really has a good Rose Gallery because everybody else in Marvel is usually like basically one or two people. Yeah, the main villains for these characters are villains that were already universe-wide. That right, uh, right, like, right. yeah, like Doom and the Thanos and all that stuff. Thanos, yeah, 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 Kang. So I, I've always thought because you said outside of Speedster, he had Captain Heat Wave, Cold, yeah. Captain Cold, Gorilla Grodd. He's got some real badass bad guys. If you're gonna reboot, wouldn't hurt to go ahead and introduce a major villain. And if you're gonna do Flash, wouldn't hurt to bring around one of his super baddies. And I mean. When you're looking DC, obviously Lex Luthor, Joker are your big wig villains, dark side. I think I put Neil Barthol in that, that same category, wouldn't you? Definitely. He's would be one of those if you're really going to look at the Green Goblin to his Spider-Man or the Joker to his Batman, whatever. Yeah, it, it probably is Thawne. The only other major villain, I mean, Captain Cole, I guess, but Gorilla Grodd? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you want to go that hardcore and, and CGI villains out to shoot when you right. just cast a uh, human being. Now, yeah. you did mention there are supposed to be many cameos in there, mm-hmm. but it, it's an elephant in the room. What's the over under you, you say on a possible Grant Gustin cameo? I seem to recall hearing that they tried to make it happen, but it didn't happen because I know they wanted to basically kind of mirror the scene that we saw in the Crisis on Infinite Earth segment in the, the CW series where the two Flashes met each other. I think they wanted right. to mirror that, but for whatever reason, it didn't happen with those schedules or, or whatnot. There is a fan petition to get Grant Gustin to take over the role from Ezra Miller because, well, again, elephant in the room, Ezra Miller's not exactly a PR darling at this point. Well, I, 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 I think I brought up before, the last time I was on Geekville, I'm shocked, especially considering after they canceled Batwoman, even though it was done and made, mm-hmm. that with all the problems that Ezra's having, they're actually going to go through with it. That's how right. big of a PR nightmare he's become from Warner Brothers mm-hmm. and Discovery. But I guess they figured we got us the can. He's a big character. He was already established. Let's go ahead and go with it. And my I had on a personal note as a mental health professional, I really hope he gets some help. I really yeah. do. Yeah, me too. His problems seem well beyond just whatever your feelings are. You don't choke slam 60-year-old people in public if you're mentally stable, okay? Right, right. And yes, that's one of the things he documented as uh, having done amongst many, many other things I won't bring up. So I hope he gets help. And for what it's worth, I've never been disappointed with his portrayal of Have you. You're talking Ezra Miller's portrayal? Yeah, Ezra. You know, as much as I love Grant Gustin and love the the Flash TV show, it, it seems like Ezra's take on it is actually closer to how Barry is in the comics. I'm kind of a loser, geek loner. Right, right. Because uh, the TV take, there, there's still the scientist aspects there, but the Barry cool Allen is, yeah, yeah. He He's that kind of nerd that's still a little hip, still knows a little bit about pop culture and uh, probably be a cool guy to have a drink with or whatever, whereas... Barry in the comics, Iris is like yeah. one of the few people that actually understands him. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I brought up before we've talked about Grant's take on this. Like everybody, when they went high school, there was one dude that hung out with the popular kids that wasn't a football player or wasn't like a rich daddy. He was just like, he was literally like really one of the smartest kids in school, but ever all the cool kids liked him. Yeah, that one. That's mm-hmm. basically, I think, the Grant Gustin very, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And here's the thing with all that being said about, about they couldn't get it to work out. We have known studios to lie through their teeth about that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, like with Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. That's <laughs> Yeah. And that, that was going to bring that up is that the whole idea, I mean, you already bring a Michael Keaton back, right? Mm-hmm. And we know the critical and fan a reaction to bring it to LeGuire and Andrew Garfield back in No Way Home. So mm-hmm. there's already a precedent set that, hey, if you do this right, boy, the the crowd's going to love it. I don't know what happened in your theaters, but in my theater, when Charlie Cox showed up as Daredevil mm-hmm. or Matt Murdock, I'd say, in No Way Home, it wasn't the biggest reaction in the world, but it got one of the larger reactions during the movie. There was yeah. definitely a lot of people there, I'd say, about a quarter of the audience there that obviously watched the Daredevil Netflix series, knew Charlie Cox was, they're like, yay! They reacted positively. So I think even that is kind of an example. Yeah, you can even bring a guy in that's a TV guy into a movie. If it's well-known enough, you're going to get a positive reaction out of the fandom. Yep. And I guess the one other question that I would have about this as far as resolution is, I can't help but think we may get a nod to Crisis because if we are truly going into a reboot here, and this is going to right. be a new reality. And this is just pure mm-hmm. speculation on my part. Do you think we get the recreation of Barry basically running himself to death like he did in the original comic series? Yes. Hey, I'm going to tell you why I think that. Because you've already brought up the fact there's two berries. Mm-hmm. One of the berries could just do this. And that leaves the other berry. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to recast Barry and get rid of Ezra, this would be an opportune time to, when the Ezra one disappears, the whoever you surprise Cassie here's as the Newberry. Mm-hmm. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. When he comes out of like the, the Speed Force, well, you're not Ezra Miller. <laughs> right. You know, I'm speaking out of my butt now, but if I'm, I'm the filmmaker. I'm having some creative control on it. And I'm, my margin orders are okay, reboot this. And I would give the just, well, if that's what you want me to do, we're going to reach out the character anyway. Why don't mm-hmm. we reintroduce him right here as it kind of supplies with the end and a little dangle in the carrot for when we come back with him as the flash. Yeah. And this also hit me when I was jotting down my notes. I know right. we, we talked a little bit before about how somehow Ben Affleck is going to change into Michael Keaton. And I know Michael Keaton's right. is, yeah, I think he's 70. I think he turned 70 this year, maybe, maybe last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. If, if I didn't know who Michael Keaton was... And mm-hmm. just looking the way he does in the movie, if he told me he was in his fifties, I probably would believe him. I think I think he's looking really good, at least as far as for his age. Would you would you say that too? Sure. Or? Oh yeah, he's definitely got that. Granted, it's Hollywood mm-hmm. makeup, camera angles, prosthetic yeah. surgeons, <laughs> or or you know even just computer effects. They can obviously make guys look younger or better than they do, but yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call him an ageless wonder. Mm-hmm. But I put him up there with Harrison Ford, but what I can see in the, in the Indiana Jones trailers, right. 
Harrison's what, 80? And he looks pretty good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, definitely. So, and maybe it'll just, that'll kind of be the explanation because uh, obviously Ben Affleck's a lot bigger than Michael Keaton is, both height and, oh, yeah. and size. Yeah, he's just a thick guy. So it, it, it will be interesting to see if there's like a different identity or something along that lines because it, 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 it sounds like Barry's not going to recognize Bruce when he sees him, when he sees Michael Keaton right. instead of Ben Affleck. So uh, now it, it, as far as being pumped to see this, I would say as far as superhero movies this year, this is the one I'm probably waiting for the most. Mm -hmm. And really the other one, at least as far as Marvel, isn't even uh, movies, uh, Secret Invasion. That's going to be the next one I'm going to uh, cover as far as weekly reviews for Geekville Radio when that well, that's when that starts what, up, a couple I mean, weeks as far as yeah. As of this recording, I think we're about two weeks away from it, so that'll take up my time that it had been used up for Mandalorian up until what about two months ago. So and I, I, I take it you're probably pumped for this as well because, like you said, it's one of your favorite comic series and just you being a DC guy. I'd say yeah, I'm with you. It might be my favorite or my most anticipated movie this year, comic book. I was very pumped for Guardians Three, which I saw. Just because I knew it was James Gunn's swan song with that franchise. And like you, Secret Invasion, I'm very interested to see where they go with that. Mm -hmm. so those are probably the three most highly anticipated live action projects for me. And with this one being number one. And when I found out Keaton was going to be in it, what was it, about a year and a half, two years ago when they announced that? Yeah, I'm sold. You got me. Yeah. Take my money yeah. now. Like the animated GIF of everybody like celebrating and Kermit waving his arms all flippantly mm -hmm. and standing ovations and all that stuff. And I don't know when it's going to happen, but we do know it, 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 it's it's announced to happen when ever or however, or it's a standalone movie or as a role, another character. When we get to see Jason Momoa as Lobo, I'm looking very forward to that. Yeah. That will be very interesting. Yeah. So I, I think, think he is the perfect guy to play that role. I literally can't think of anybody better, at least, at least off the top of my head. Yeah. It's kind of like. If RDJ was born to play the role of Tony Stark, I think Jason Moe was born to play the role of Moe. Like, I think Ryan Reynolds would probably point to that role. All right, so that's going to bring us to the end of this episode of Geekville Radio. Uh, Train, definitely thanks for coming back. And as I, we used to do all the time, uh, if people want to get a hold of you on the Twitterverse or any other social media to talk about uh, comics or wrestling or whatever, where can they find you? I'm always available on Twitter at crazy train underscore JB. I'm also, that's pretty much my handle across all social media. If you do a search, that'll be in there. I also, I, I don't think I have administrator privileges for the, the geek low radio Facebook page, but I do for our, our other bar podcast together. That's one you can, you can reach out to me there. I'm not hard to find. And then, and if you can't find me. If you can find Seth, he can tell you how to get home. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And this is Geekful Radio. Just don't be giving out my personal cell phone number, all right? No, no uh, I would never do that. that. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And this is, of course, Geekful Radio. You can find us at geekfulradio.com, the podcatcher of your choosing. We're all over the pod sphere, whatever you want to call it, podverse, with uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify iHeartRadio, pretty much you name it, wherever you can find podcasts, just do a search for Geekful Radio. You can find us as well as our other shows like Geekful Radio's Nostalgia Trip. We got also got the Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame, Examining the Doctor, where myself and Mark Short talk Doctor Who. And then, of course, there's Classic Wrestling Memories, 
which is still the ongoing show that Train and I do about old school pro wrestling. Got a lot of stuff coming up soon for that as well. So I definitely want to thank you folks for listening. And we will be back next time with our review of The Flash. I don't know if Train will be able to make it. It depends on the schedules and whatever's going on at the asylum. So if Lava is going to depend on, on, yeah. Can I get a pass and get away for a couple hours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I plan to see it this weekend when it opens, but no promises. And as our regular listeners know, I'm now helping out. I'm back semi-involved in wrestling again. I'm actually wrestling a match at a show the next weekend, so I don't know when I can see. I can't see it that way, but I'll figure it out. (laughs) All right, so we're going to power down here in the Geek Radio studios, and we'll talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of geekvilleradio.com, a1-wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved.